the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. It's a couple minutes after 4 and you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app. Thanks for tuning in. Forecast, sunny, chilly, windy the rest of the day. 34 the high down to 20 tonight with clear skies. Tomorrow's sunny, high 37. Sixers in Brooklyn are going at it this afternoon. Flyers are home against Pittsburgh tomorrow night at 7.30. And Super Bowl 54 all set. Can be Kansas City and San Francisco. Sunday, February 2nd. Finally, the Chiefs back in the Super Bowl. I was one the last time they were in the Super Bowl, I think it was. 1969, 1970, technically, and they won that Super Bowl. Not sure if they made it back and lost or not. I don't think they did. That was the only other time. Danny was not even a gleam in her parents' eyes back then. Not even a thought. Nope. So did you see any of the game yesterday with dear old dad? Nope. Well, you guys usually hang out at least until you annoy him to the point where he says, go away. Yeah, which that takes about 30 seconds. Okay. But not even, even that yesterday. You know, I didn't even try. I'm, I got really addicted to a new show on Netflix. Okay. So I, I was busy watching that. And then I just wanted to watch that. And then the SAG Awards were on last night. So, so your, your dance card was full. Yeah. My priorities were not football. Oh, man. All right. But you, I'm sure you gave your dad a hug at least in passing. If you want to believe that, all right. Okay, fine. So, uh, well, today, and I bring this up because we have a special guest on the program. Uh, I mentioned this at the tail end of the show last Friday. I think it was. Sometimes we don't get these things confirmed, so I can't really promote them adequately ahead of time. You know, sometimes it's the day of, I'll find out. But we're having, uh, in honor of Harold Carmichael, who was just elected to the Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, that happened last week. One of the core teammates that he he had on the team back in the seventies, Bill Berge, is going to join us coming up. Who you are well familiar with, right, Danny? Oh, I know exactly what we're talking about. Posters, stats, the whole thing memorized. Sure. Yeah. So anyhow, well, your dad knows, I'm sure, because oh, my dad definitely does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're an Eagles fan in this town. Uh, there's a good chance you'll know who Bill Berge was. He was a pro bowler five times. He played for Cincinnati for a while. And then through a very interesting set of circumstances, actually came to Philadelphia. Back then, uh, he he was he signed a contract. It was called a futures contract, Bill Berge did, with a league that had it was just coming into existence. And so he was playing for one team, but signed with a team that was going to be coming down the road. So the team he was on, Cincinnati, is like, well, wait a minute. What's going on here? A couple of years, he was going to be off and going on to another league. And in the end, the league that he was going to go to folded before he could even get to it. And uh, Cincinnati didn't want to be caught holding the bag. So they actually traded him to the Eagles back in the mid-70s 
for a couple of first-round draft picks and a second-round choice, that's a huge price to pay. Eagles were willing to do it, and it paid off. I mean, in, in the sense that he joined a team that was doing okay, and they wound up adding a couple other players and made it to the Super Bowl in 1980, which I will tell you, Danny, if you're not a huge sports fan, 1980 was like the golden year in Philadelphia because all four major sports made the championship game or round in their respective sports. And the wow. Phillies were the only ones to win the World Series, but the Eagles were in the Super Bowl. They lost. Uh, Flyers got to the Stanley Cup championship. They lost in the finals. And uh, who am I forgetting? And the baseball, football, hockey, basketball. The Sixers. Sixers the Sixers, yes. <laughs> they were in the championship as well and lost to, uh, I don't remember if it was the Lakers or Portland. Anyway, they lost back then too. Okay. Memory's the second thing to go. Yeah. That's where you say, what's the first? Well, what's the first? Can't remember. Uh-huh. Get it? Yeah. So anyhow, 1980, I was 12. That was like the year uh, to be a to be a kid and to be a fan in general. So Bill Berge is going to help us walk down memory lane a little bit. We'll talk to him about his teammate, Harold Carmichael. I have a text in to a, a friend of mine. Her name is Karen. Karen was like the mother hen to the Eagles players for many years. Her, she, like, she took all their mail in. She took care of all their stuff. And when I used to cover the Eagles on a more regular basis, I used to go into Karen's office. She had a jar of mints, white mints, and I would sit there and just talk with her for a little while. Very personable. Always That's sweet. Yeah. Very, she's like, literally like a mother hen. Aww. And she would you know, take care of all the players. Harold Carmichael, who worked for the Eagles for many years, his office is literally right next to Karen's. So I have a text into Karen just in case, because I'd love to hear her perspective. She, more than anybody, you wouldn't know who Karen was. But the reality is she's in the hub of all these players coming and going and I'm sure knew uh, Harold very well. So we'll see if we get into that. It's a nice thing every now and again with our program here. We get to dig more and more into the the city of Philadelphia, if you will, the greater region. That's one of the reasons we have this program in general is to be able to help localize things. For final, as part of all this today, something nice and simple. If you would like to text in or call in. A favorite Eagles player of yours, whether it's from back in the 70s, those teams like Ron Jaworski, Wilbert Montgomery, players like that, or perhaps you're more in the the, the you know, 2000s and 90s, 2000s, Donovan McNabb and Brian Westbrook or T.O., maybe he was your favorite player the, the short time he was here, uh, whatever it might be, or currently, maybe it's Carson Wentz or something like that. Send a quick text in at 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-DOVE. 3683, just your first and last name and your favorite player. Pick one from any era. And if you want to type in just a, a quick sentence, why, that's cool too. If uh, calling is your thing, we'd love to hear from you at 800-560-WFIL, 800-560-9345. And uh, if you want to email, that's fine too. Timmy D, T-I-M-M-Y-D at WFIL.com. We'll draw some random entries from folks who take time to just chime in a little bit. And we'll hand out a gift card or two or three. Before the end of the program, courtesy of Brian Chevrolet and Jenkintown, we're talking to our usual uh, suspects, Duncan and Panera and Wawa. We have gift cards for those places to hand out. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with Bill Berge, linebacker for the Eagles, five-time Pro Bowler. We'll chat with him about Howard uh, Carmichael and his uh, Howard Carmichael's uh, election to the Hall of Fame and some other memories down memory lane there. And again, we'll take your texts and calls uh, as to your favorite player. I have a couple of favorite stories to share as well. One of my favorite Eagles as well. That and more coming up on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com and on the app. You're listening to a podcast of the Tim DeMoss Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560, WFIL 
and at WFIL.com. It's 412 on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the app. Thanks for tuning in today. By the way, just a quick note for you. We mentioned, uh, of course, Kansas City and San Francisco winning their games yesterday to move on to the Super Bowl. WFL has a pretty cool trip that you could win to Kansas City. Friday, March 20th is the date. It's for a concert to see Mercy Me, the band Mercy Me. Did that song I Can Only Imagine. Bunch of other fun songs, too. Uh, trip for two to see them. You can meet the band, check out the concert, airfare, hotel included. Find out more at WFL.com. Just uh, click the Mercy Me Getaway banner. You can enter actually every day between now and the end of February, and there are bonus entry opportunities as well. And there's some other prizes, too. CDs by the band. You can win an Echo Dot third-generation smart speaker, some other cool deal uh, deals going on there, too. It's all, of course, free at WFIL.com. Again, it's the Mercy Me Getaway for their concert in Kansas City. Uh, so we are glad to bring on board at this time someone who, if you are an Eagles fan, you know very well from the 70s and 80s as well who helped the team get to the Super Bowl in 1980. He's a linebacker for Cincinnati Bengals for a while, and then came to the Eagles and uh, finished out his career with uh, with us here in Philadelphia, talking about the one and only Bill Berge. Hello, sir. Thanks for taking time out of your busy day. Well, thank you for having me, Tim. Sure thing. Yeah, you know, I'd love to ask you a couple questions about your playing days, uh, but I thought first, right off the bat, uh, chatting about your former teammate, Harold Carmichael, uh, just elected to the Hall of Fame, and... Uh, obviously, you played on different sides of the ball, but you're on the team for that number of years. I'm guessing your paths crossed enough times to pick up on the man, uh, both as a player and as a person. Well, I was real close to Harold Carmichael. He was the uh, captain at one time with the offense. I was the defense, and Vince Papali was a special teams player. So we got to uh, wrap an awful lot, and this award that he is getting is so overdue. And I am just so elated that he has been selected for the uh, Professional Football Hall of Fame. It's a long time coming. And uh, if this guy would not have gotten in this year, it really would have been a disgrace. Hmm. Is there a story you can share, maybe just something you observed uh, over the, over your time playing together? I guess you were on the same team for six, seven years, right? Or eight years. So Yes, eight years. Uh, as a matter of fact, yes, it there was a great story that I have, uh, and it was uh, when I was playing with the Cincinnati Bengals and Harold was with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and I had chased him down. I grabbed him by the shoulders. I threw him down on the ground, and then I absolutely lifted him back up and kind of pushed him away. And Harold will always say that that was the most humiliating thing that has ever happened to him on a football field. So that was one of the funny things that happened. But uh, he was always a serious guy, and he was like E.F. Hutton. Whenever he spoke, everybody just shut up and they listened to him. And uh, he was a good leader on the uh, the football field. He led by example, and I was uh, really honored to be a, a teammate of his. Chat with Bill Berge, a five-time Pro Bowler, linebacker, of course, with both the Bengals and the Eagles. And that's funny, you know, because obviously folks know Harold being such a tall man. Maybe do, do people forget that you're a pretty big guy yourself, that, that you're you're pretty tall? Not his height, but you're close. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm 6'3", and, uh, but he's 6'8". He's five inches uh, taller than me. But uh, anyhow, uh, yeah, he, was, he, he, he had those big, long strides, and he had a hand 
that if you shook his hand, your hand would just be engulfed in it. <laughs> Is there anything that you picked up? I mean, you mentioned from more of an example standpoint, but as a, either as a player or as a person over the years uh, in terms of you know, how you carry yourself or things that you picked up, you know, just observing his example? Yeah, the one thing, he, he didn't like any shenanigans on a flight. And I remember uh, one time uh, that somebody was throwing grapes. And I don't know who it was, but uh, a great hit him in the back of the head. And he stood up, and he looked all over to see who could have possibly have thrown that grape. And it was one of those smushy ones. And he says, I don't know who is doing that, but stop right now. And why don't you get your mind on the football game instead of acting like a bunch of kindergartners in, uh, in yeah. school? And you know something? Everybody just absolutely got their act together real quick, and nobody was uh, doing anything stupid anymore. That's very funny. That's very funny. Well, uh, and, you know, for those just tuning in, chat with Bill Berge, linebacker for the Eagles, played for the Bengals prior to that, five-time Pro Bowler. And, um, you know, as you're talking there, thinking Harold Carmichael, yourself, um, of course, Ron Jaworski, there were other very core folks that people step back and look at that, that era in football, and Dick Vermeil coming in, too. Um, what's it like being part of that group, you know, in your mind to, to, you know, we're talking Harold's induction to the hall of fame, but you're part of really a, a, a great era of Eagles football and to be recognized as one of the founding pillars or whatever you want to call it of that group. What is that like for you? Well, it was a very special time in my life. And Tim, thank you very much for uh, mentioning Dick Vermeil's name because he was up for the, uh, the hall of fame too. And I think he richly deserves to be in there and, I have said so many times that uh, I really wish I could be more like Dick Vermeil because everything he does is done in the right way. And I've been with him so many times, and he is so recognizable, and everybody is always wanting, wanting an autograph. Everybody's always wanting a piece of him. And the way he conducts himself, it's, it's just unbelievable. And there's been times where I've just said to Coach Vermeil, I, I would say, Coach, how in the heck do you do it? You are absolutely amazing. And, you know, he just uh, just gives me a, a smile. But uh, he is really a very special person. But to have had him for my coach for those years and uh, to, to have uh, Ron Jaworski as uh, the quarterback on our team. And uh, Dick Vermeil had us so prepared for uh, that conference championship game uh, against the Dallas Cowboys back in uh, 1980 that when we walked down through the tunnel, Tim, it was the only time in my life that I can honestly say that I knew that we were going to win this game 100%. There was no question. And the score of the game was 20-7, to 7, but it was not indicative of the way the game went. We had absolutely nailed the Dallas Cowboys like you couldn't believe. Hmm. The score could have been 45-3 to 3 for all I uh, care uh, to know about. But, uh, yeah. Anyhow, Dick Vermeil had us so prepared. And then, of course, everybody said, well, what happened in uh, Super Bowl 15? And we, we just couldn't get back to that same level of uh, emotion, uh, the mental toughness and all of that. And, uh, but we did get to the Super Bowl, and Dick Vermeil did get us there. But uh, uh, just to be part of that whole team back in uh, the, you know, the 79 leading up to 1980, it was really a, a very special time, and nobody cared about, uh, you know, getting all of the credit or all of the accolades or anything like that. Uh, 
we just played for one another. And uh, I guess what really happened that year more than anything is uh, we all stayed uh, real healthy. We might not have been in the top ten as far as talent goes, but I'll tell you what, uh, we all stayed healthy and we all played for one another, and it was it was really a very special, special thing. Bill Berge, our special, special guest today on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFL.com, and on the app, too, played linebacker for the Cincinnati Bengals from 69 to 73, then joined the Eagles in 74 and retired after their Super Bowl run in 1980. Quick break. We'll come back and continue our conversation. Also, if you want to text or email or call in even and share who your favorite Eagle is, it's 610-500-DOVE to text 610-500-3683. You can email Timmy D, T-I-M-M-Y-D at WFIL.com or give a quick call 800-560-WFIL and we'll draw a few random folks to win a gift card courtesy of Brian Chevrolet in Jenkintown at Duncan Panera or uh, Wawa. Back with more in a moment. WFIL. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. 424 on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thank you for tuning in. Just a quick reminder, WFIL has the Rewards Club up and running for you to join anytime you like. It's free. A lot of benefits like easy, streamlined entry to WFIL contests, exclusive free tickets to advanced movie screenings. We had a bunch of those last year and we're ready for more in 2020. There are concert tickets we give away there, absolutely free and more. There are fun surveys. You can even win prizes for giving your opinion. How about that? Uh, right now, in fact, there's a little survey there where you can say, hey, here's who I'd like to see on that Tim DeMoss show I hear in the afternoon. We welcome that input, and there are other uh, ways you can be a part of that. All for our, uh, part of the uh, Rewards Club. Again, absolutely free at WFIL.com. Last week, longtime Eagles great Harold Carmichael elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and we're privileged to have one of his longtime teammates from the uh, from that squad back in the 70s and 80s uh, joining us today linebacker Bill Berge who was a five-time pro bowler himself and um we're talking about before the break there the the 1980 Super Bowl and all that uh but prior to that season I think in 1979 you had a pretty serious knee injury right I did yeah were you were you sure or did you know where things were going to go if you could keep going or how long you might be able to keep playing because it's good obviously you you were able to hang on and be part of that championship team you know that that well, season the, yeah Tim the, the thing that uh I, I really rehabbed an awful lot now age was bucking me a little bit and uh, I, I, I wanted to continue to play because I knew that we were so close to really getting there. And uh, I'm not going to say that I had a great year uh, in 1980. As a matter of fact, it was probably uh, less than average. And uh, I can remember, you know, diagnosing a play and getting to a spot, and I'd be waiting for the ball carrier. And then after my knee injury, I could still diagnose that play, but when I got to the spot, the ball carrier was already gone. So hmm. I did get the play in the Super Bowl. I did get that one last year, and I'm glad that uh, I worked as hard as I did to get there. If I was a 100% player at one time, I, I probably didn't get back uh, to probably 65%, but uh, uh, at least I got to go to the Super Bowl, and I uh, – I, I did have uh, a lot of fun that uh, that year, although I was really uh, only playing on one leg. Yeah, yeah. And as you speak to that, just on a side note, of course, uh, Andy Reid, now former Eagles head coach, 
going to be in his second Super Bowl coming up uh, with the Chiefs. Uh, just thoughts on uh, Andy, as you know him, or even and, and on related note, the challenge of even getting to a Super Bowl, let alone winning one. You, that's that's the experience you know you had. Just so fans can appreciate, you know, you can get spoiled thinking Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Patriots or something, but that's such not the norm. And uh, just so people have an appreciation of what it's like to, to even get to that level. You know, to, to, to get to a Super Bowl, everything is just the, really has to just about go right. And, uh, you, you know, all of the dots have to be connected and you got to stay healthy, all of that good stuff. I have always said this, Tim, and this is going to really sound weird to probably a lot of the listeners, but I would think that the four times that the Buffalo Bills went to the Super Bowl in a row is a greater feat than any one team winning the Super Bowl back-to-back. And I really mean that because I know what it took for us to get to that Super Bowl. Now, the year that we went in 1980, we, we I'm going to say that we probably weren't in the top ten as far as talent goes. But once again, everything kind of worked out good for us. We won all of the games we were supposed to win. We stole the game here or there. We got hot at the end of the year. But once again, the bottom line is, we all stayed healthy, and uh, uh, it, it's it's really it's really tough to climb up that ladder and and just hang there, uh, you know, one time, let alone twice, three times, four times, like the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, and uh, I mean the Minnesota Vikings, they uh, went to four Super Bowls uh, and they they didn't get a win, and it's it's really a, a tough thing. But uh, the worst thing, probably, and this is a hard thing to say is you, you go to one Super Bowl and you get that taste of what it's all about and you really, really want to go back and get another one. And when you only have one chance at it, that, that's kind of pitiful right there. <laughs> I'm sure it's not easy, but at least you got to be in one. There are lots of great players who never got to appear in one. So, yeah, I guess you got to have that perspective on, on, on both sides of it. You know, and when you were wrapping up your career, too, because just on, on the other side of things, for folks tuning in, it's Bill Berge joining us, kind enough to spend a few minutes with us, uh, five-time Pro Bowler, played linebacker for both the Bengals and the Eagles. And uh, before I forget, that number 66, of course, folks, remember, did you, uh, did you wear that number in college as well? I did. Okay. I had 66 in college. Uh, as a matter of fact, in high school, I had 66. Wow. Don't ask me why. It just worked out that way. But I, I do know that when I came, I came from Cincinnati to the Eagles, there was somebody that had 66, and I had to pay the guy a little bit of money for it. And <laughs> I think the guy's name was Kersey, uh, and I can't remember his first name, but... Uh, uh, I really wanted that 66 that much. That's great. Well, I, and, you know, I, I wanted to maybe wrap up our chat a little bit um, post-football. But before that, uh, if you have a second, just share what's in your mind. You, you were talking about uh, when I was looking up, like you had over 200 tackles one year. And, I mean, like it's crazy the amount of plays you were in on. And it, I guess the NFL didn't keep tackle statistics all the way back. So it's hard to say exactly where that kind of a season would have ranked in all-time history. But um, – because now 100 plus is a is a pretty good year. 125 is a you know that's a nice number for a lot of folks. Which you were referencing earlier, after your injury is what you got to. So I guess I'm just thinking when it comes to uh you know going in for a tackle or watching the Super Bowl or some other game, what's the mindset of a linebacker? You know what's important to remember rather than you know don't be too aggressive so you miss the guy, but you know be aggressive enough and not too much things like that. What were you thinking when you were playing? When when you're first of all you've got to understand. The game today is a quarterback-driven game. 
back when I played, I would say that uh, third down and three or less, it was probably mano a mano, 90% run. This is the way it's going to be, and we're coming after you. You try to stop us. So uh, we had, uh, I had a lot more opportunities to get in there on the pile and all of that stuff and, and, and make a play. Today, it can be third down and a yard or less, and it'll be 80% pass. I mean, mm. it's a quarterback-driven game today. So uh, that's why, really, the middle linebacker and even outside linebackers, they're becoming uh, an endangered species. And uh, right now what they have is they've got the hybrid uh, defensive backs that are about uh, 230 that uh, run a 4-3, 4-2, 4-3, 40. And uh, the, the linebackers, the Dick Buckuses, Ray Nitschke's, Willie Lanier's, Tommy Novus's, Mike Curtis's, uh, they're just uh, not really around anymore. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, and the, if let's that talk, makes any sense it, to anybody. It, it does. Bill Berge, our guest, longtime uh, NFL star, played for the Eagles from 74 to 80, was a five-time Pro Bowler, kind enough to hang out with us for a few minutes this afternoon in conjunction with the fact that his longtime teammate, Harold Carmichael, elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame last week. We'll keep our chat going with him in a moment. If you want to text in your favorite player from the era, uh, or any era, really, just your first and last name, your favorite player. Go right ahead to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. We'll take a random drawing for a couple of gift cards, too, by the end of the program. Back with more in just a moment on WFIL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 4.36 on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app too. You can down, uh, download free from WFIL.com. Thanks for listening in. Forecast calling for a sunny rest of the afternoon. Windy 34, the high cleared night, low 20. Sunny tomorrow, not much warmer. High of 37. Sixers in Brooklyn playing this afternoon uh, in action as we speak. Flyers are home against Pittsburgh tomorrow night against those Penguins. 7:30 and Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs punching their ticket to the Super Bowl yesterday as did San Francisco. That game uh, Sunday, February 2nd. I'm sure we'll do a Super Bowl recipe show between now and then so we can share our ideas for that. But in the meantime, we uh, are very glad to have, speaking of football, Bill Berge chatting with us today, longtime linebacker for the Eagles, played for the Cincinnati Bengals prior to that. Last week, of course, Harold Carmichael, another longtime Eagle who was uh, elected to the Hall of Fame uh, pro football last week. And so, Bill has graciously agreed to chat with us a little bit about his uh, former teammate and football in general. And, uh, you know, before the break, we're talking about what goes through your mind when you're on the field. I mean, you had tons of tackles over the years and uh, just wondering, you know, what's important when you're playing because you could get over aggressive and miss the guy altogether rather than, you know, focus on wrapping the guy up and bring him to the ground or whatever the case may be. You're going to you're going to add a thought to that. Well, the one the one thing that that really bothers me about t- today's game, and I don't want to be one of those old fogies that said, "Well, this is the way it used to be back when I played." Because when Chuck Bed and Eric would say to me, "Well, this is the way we did it back then," uh, I, you know, I I didn't really care for it. But 
Yeah. The thing of it is today, today, uh, I, I, I can't stand these guys that are just throwing their shoulders in and, uh, running backs. I mean, leaping over, uh, guys tackling is absolutely gone from the game. The good wrap up, put the guy on his back and all of that stuff. And, uh, it, it just bothers me when I did play under Dick Vermeil, we had form tackling every day for 15 minutes before every practice and everybody did it and we would wrap up and we'd go to the right, we'd go to the left, we'd go straight ahead. We would stick our head in there. So we had the art of really tackling today. That art is absolutely gone from the NFL. Hmm. Well, and in your post, uh, post career, uh, Bill Berge, again, for those just tuning in, if you're just catching near the end of our chat here, you can catch a podcast at WFIL.com as well after the show. Um, you wound up going into, after the, the Eagle Super Bowl run in 1980, I guess you had uh, capped it there, retired, and excuse me, wound up going into broadcasting uh, for the you know for the Eagles radio broadcast in the early '80s, and still did a lot of radio for many years. So was that something you always kind of thought? It seems because you're you know a very personable person. That seemed like a natural fit for you, even when you were playing, that you would might go that direction. Well, I knew I wanted to stay with the game, and you know when the, the day came that I had to retire. Believe it or not, Tim, this is w- weird too. I, I it almost felt like I was going to get cancer. I was going to have a heart attack. Something bad was going to happen. My rubber ducky was being taken away from me. Mm. I felt like I needed football to live and to exist. But I found out shortly after that that I didn't really need it. So I did get into the radio uh, and a little television. They say I had a prettier face for the radio. But <laughs> I played for I played for 23 years. Uh, I mean, I, I uh, was uh, broadcasting... Uh, with uh, Merrill Reese, and then I did the pre- and post-game show, and I did that for 23 years uh, yeah. after I retired. And I, I really enjoyed it because it kept me uh, around the game. But uh, uh, for 13 years, I, I was completely and totally engulfed in that game. I loved it. It wasn't the money. It wasn't the accolades. It wasn't the pats on the back. I just simply thought I had to have professional football to live and to exist. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not an easy thing. Gary Cobb, a uh, former Eagle for a time as well, joins our program every now and again, and that's one of the things he talks about. It's actually his role right now is, is helping players transition when they're done uh, playing ball and into what you know what they're going to do next. And it's not always an easy thing, especially if you're stopping in the in your 30s and you're trying to start over. Like you know, that's a different ball game than graduating college, perhaps, and starting a, a you know a, a career path at that point. So it's not an easy thing. Yes, I'm you're sure. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, Bill, Bill, it's a pleasure to make your acquaintance and to have you on the program, and uh, we really appreciate the time, and congratulations to you, know, you for all your accolades, and thanks for what you brought, uh, you know, brought to Philadelphia over the years, both on the field and off. It's been, uh, it's been great as a kid. I'm 51. I grew up watching you play and listening to you on the radio, and I'm on the radio now for a number of years, too, so it's, it's neat to see, to, you know, have a pass across a little bit, and um, for folks who might want to see you too, I know we I mentioned uh, our friend Steve actually connected me. He does some autograph shows every now and again. Um, do you know if you're going to be doing any shows at all in 2020? Oh yes, I will be. I don't know right now where they are sure. or anything like that, but okay. yeah, I get out there and you know something. I really love to meet and greet the public, and 
as long as they will keep listening to all of my lies, I'll just keep telling the story. <laughs> that's great. Well, we'll let we'll let folks know when we, we find out more about when you're coming through the area. The thing that's a great thing that you and you mentioned Dick Vermeil, how much respect you had for him. That you know, I don't think anybody. Uh, I can just tell you as a, someone who's lived both as a kind of a, a fan, but also in the media world, how much respect they have when an athlete or a coach looks people in the eyes and shakes their hand and makes them feel like you know you matter, not. I look past them and like just move along, move along. It's a huge difference. And I mean, you have that appreciation for people, don't you? Well, yes, I do. And and there's this whole saying that uh, as long as you're kind and nice and humble uh, all the way up that ladder of the success, you know, you won't believe this, but guess what? You'll meet the same people coming down that ladder. Mm. And uh, I feel like I can go down the streets of Philadelphia today. And when people say, hey, Bill, uh, how are you doing? Thanks for the memories. It does give me a good, warm feeling inside. That's excellent. Well, God bless you, Bill. Thank you so much again for taking time. Thank you for having me, Tim. Absolutely. Bill Berge, kind enough to spend time with us today on the Tim DeMoss Show, played for the Cincinnati Bengals 69-73, to then went to the Eagles 1974 and retired after their run to the Super Bowl in 1980. Don't forget, you can get the podcast of today's program and any program uh, soon after each day's show is over. And uh, you're welcome to do that at WFIL.com. We have a brief break to take and then another set of things to run by in our final segment. Don't forget, if you would uh, take a second to text in, as as long as we're talking a little bit of Eagles today, your favorite player over the years could be from any era. Just pick one. Text in to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. Is it Bill Berge? Is it... Harold Carmichael or Ron Jaworski from those teams. Maybe go back further. Chuck Bednarik. Maybe somebody uh, on the current team. Carson Wentz or uh, perhaps uh, Zach Ertz or somebody from the 90s, 2000s. Uh, Donovan McNabb or, or uh, Brian Westbrook. Things like that. Just send a quick text in. If you want to add why, that's cool too. And we'll draw random entries to win some gift cards today. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com and on the app. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. It's 447 on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for listening in today. Uh, just a quick heads up that we are making slow but steady progress in our partnership with Preborn, which is an organization that helps provide free ultrasounds for pregnant women and girls. And I love it because it's just a simple, gentle way of of pointing someone to the you know the baby inside their belly. And uh, it doesn't have to be about yelling or screaming or anything. Just take a look. And uh, if you'd like to help out with that, our goal is to help provide one a day this year. Uh, rounding up a little bit to 400 total. We're just shy of our first 100, so that's excellent. Thank you for those who have helped out. If you want to do so, it's 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, or you can go and click the preborn banner at WFIL.com. We're trying to do that in the month of January, January being Sanctity of Human Life Month. Uh, if we need to go beyond that, maybe we will, but I think we can get this taken care of. It's uh, It's kind of a Kind of a very a very doable goal. Whenever we talk to an organization or a ministry about doing things like that, we want to pick something that's doable. You're not going to ever wipe out everything like we work with an organization called Save the Children in the fall oftentimes, help them provide emergency nutrition. And uh, no, you're not going to wipe out the entire uh, world hunger problem, but that shouldn't stop us from doing something. So 
we try and sit down before we go on the air, of course, with these things and say, well, it's doable. So we can at least say together, let's do something. Let's do our part and then move on to the next thing. So that's, I want you to know that that's the context thing. I don't believe in, nobody likes to be made feel guilty or pushed on or, 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 or honestly with anything in life that uh, you can, you can do nothing because you can't accomplish it all right away or something. You just do nothing. So it's, it's like probably exercising, go for a little walk, drink water, do something a little different to help your health improve. I'm actually taking a class right now at our church my, that my dad is teaching, which I'll share about more another time. I'd like to get the listener input on those sorts of things. But um, I want to play a song for you before we go any further. Um, and it kind of ties in. I'm going to back up for a second to our guest. We just had Bill Berge, longtime Eagle. He shared something that was very interesting. Um, you know, he only got to one Super Bowl, one championship in 1980. The Eagles lost, and then he retired. He was in his mid-30s. He had experienced some uh, injuries, and especially the year before. So he was just happy to at least be, you know, get through and participate in the one. Um, and then I asked him about, you know, so people appreciate. I think it's good to put yourself in other people's shoes. And when you're watching the Super Bowl, to get to that level, even if for the team that loses, it'll be it'll be hard. You hear players who lose the Super Bowl say it's even worse in some ways. They almost wish they hadn't had to go through the heartbreak of losing. But I think probably later you step back and say, well, at least we got there. Uh, in any case, he mentioned the Buffalo Bills. So you don't have to be a big sports fan uh, necessarily to, to appreciate this. But the Buffalo Bills, back from 1991 through 1994, they made the Super Bowl four years in a row. And they lost every single one. And when you think about what it takes to pick yourself up after getting knocked down and do it again, that's why he was referencing the fact that uh, Bill Berge said the fact that Buffalo got there four years in a row and they lost them all, uh, how how that speaks to the character of of that team. And they got blown out uh, several of those times and they still managed to get back in the game and and go for it. So uh, there are different ways, of course, that people handle adversity and when they get knocked down and and how they uh, move forward. And in the case of this, uh, this song I want to play for you, I know this gentleman uh, very well. His name is uh, Toby McKeon. He was with the band called DC Talk for many years, and he has a bunch of solo albums. He lost his son a few months ago at age 21. And um, I was talking to Bill Berge during our interview about how I respected the fact that he he signs autographs for people. He engages the fans. He doesn't look past them or act like he's too busy for them. And I can tell you firsthand, having known Toby McKeon from DC Talk for many years, he he looks you in the eye and he makes you feel like you're you're the you're the only one in the room right now. And um, there are a lot of other things I appreciate about him and respect about him. When I heard about him losing his son, who was just they found him at home in, in his sleep. There's just, there's still an autopsy ongoing. What happened? No foul play suspected. They really don't know what has happened at this point, to my knowledge. But that's not important. The, the main thing is. You know, he lost his son at 21, and it's, um, it's a really, really hard thing. I have a, a nephew who passed at uh, age 30 after serving some uh, time in Iraq, and uh, my bro- it's my brother and my sister-in-law's son, and it's, it's hard. The ache is, is real. And um, John Butterworth, who does traffic for our sister station, WNTP, lost a brother. And he told me a number of times when we used to work together how, you know, you kind of expect in life that, you know, it's always hard. You lose a parent, but for a parent to lose a child, especially someone who perhaps has lived for many years, so 10, 15, 20 years, it's, it's got to be a different kind of pain altogether. So um, in any case, Toby, I was curious how this was going to play out. He was very public with things and writing almost right away. 
um, on, on social media and sharing the loss with the fans and with people in general. And um, easily I could see it had, that had been something very private where he would have retreated. But in any case, uh, he, did, he did not. And um, there's a song that came out recently. It's called 21. I think it's called 21 or 21 Years. Which 21 years, yeah. Um, and it's about his son, Truett, who was 21. One of the cool things about his son, if you listen to Toby Mac's solo albums, he was on uh, just about every one. And you can hear his son doing a song when he was a baby, through a toddler, through a teenager. And he became a rapper on his own. And even on Toby's last album, I think it was called The Elements, he references his son, on one of the tracks and how there were times where it was hard to get a hold of his son and how that relationship was perhaps strained at times or just, you know, when your kids get older, it's not always easy. Uh, but he's a man of faith. Uh, Toby Mac is. I think if you've experienced any kind of pain like this, you can find some hope in the song and some some encouragement from it. Let's put it on for you now. This is called 21 Years. Toby Mac on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Cause the light poured in Day two let the flood begin Day one left me in my bed I can barely remember it Heart shattered in a thousand ways They tell me pain gonna come in waves They tell me I'm gonna be okay I'm still waiting for the first to break Why would you give and then take him away Suddenly in could you not let it fade What I would give for a couple of days A couple of days Is it just across the Jordan 21 years, what a beautiful loan 21 years, I love everyone Thank you, Lord, for my beautiful son What a song, huh? It's Toby Mac, and the song is called 21 Years He's uh, in his 50s now, Toby Still acts like a kid in a lot of ways, in a good way He's got a lot of energy He's put out fantastic music for many years Both with DC Talk and also solo albums If you want to look him up If you've never heard of him before uh, Some are very familiar with him But if you've never heard of him before it's Toby Mac, T-O-B-Y-M-A-C, and the song is called 21 Years. And over the years, his styles have changed. He's got hip-hop, he's got rock, he's got uh, pop, uh, but he's a, he's a man of integrity. If I had to sum him up in one, way, one word, integrity is the word I would choose for him. And uh, you'll see that in his music. Psalm 147.3 says, The Lord heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And whether it's the loss of a child or the loss of a dream or a son or a, or a job or other things in life that have chipped away over time, uh, be encouraged to take your take your burdens to God. Um, we have a prayer center at WFIL.com. Feel free to drop a request off there, too. Happy to pray for folks. Uh, again, just uh, click the More tab at the top of our homepage. You'll see the prayer center link and just drop something off there. We want you to know you have that support available to you anytime, day or night. Going to uh, wrap things up now. Pass the baton to Jim Maxim. Speaking of prayer, I'll lead in prayer next. Then Alistair Begg and Truth for Life follows at 5. Thanks for listening in. Looking forward to doing it again tomorrow. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.